Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. I'm so glad you're here with us on the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve you and empower you to make better financial decisions in your life. Remember, the sun never sets on Clark.com. Here to serve you around the clock every day of the year. It doesn't even take holidays because we have information for your wallet that I believe you can trust. And, you know, trust is a term that's thrown around. I had somebody say to me the other day, said, you know, it always worries me when you say information you can trust, because usually when somebody says, trust me, I react that I shouldn't trust them. And that's why we talk about it, because everything we're about in our hearts, our heads, is about providing information to you that we believe will help you in your life period. We're unbought and unbossed. Nobody pays us to say something like so much of the content now. Oh man, I was reading an actual physical newspaper from one of the respected national publications and I'm on the back cover of a section. There's an article there. It's written like an article and guess what it was not? It was not an article. It was an ad that it said only at the bottom in tiny type and at the top in tiny type. I mean, it's a real problem now Mm -hmm. in media with organizations that never would have done something like this even 10 years ago. Now couching things, the advertising side of media companies are allowing the news side of publications to trick people into thinking they're reading news content and they're just reading bought and paid for content. I can't tell you how many emails I get every single day for both Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com from people asking if we'll take sponsored content as they like to call it, or just assuming we do and asking how much we charge for links and all sorts of stuff in our content. And I just honestly, like, I don't even answer half of them anymore because we don't do that. It's in our editorial policy on the website, if they really wanted to look, that we don't do that. It's our policy. So when I was in syndication radio, the way most people in radio make their money is from what are known as sponsor reads. I wouldn't do them. And I remember, you know, we'd get a new radio affiliate and inevitably the general manager of the radio station would ask, What's it cost to have Clark do a local sponsor read? We'd have to answer back, I don't do those. And that just did not compute with so many people because it's so much how media works now. I cannot and will not and have never in my entire media career going back to 1987, I have never, never, ever, not even a single time, ever done any kind of sponsor read advertorial 
what did you call that they sponsor content sponsor content not gonna happen just not gonna happen i can see ai taking me and making me say things i didn't say right right we'll see that happen probably but that's another topic for another day i want to talk about the job market for the first time in a long time people are like hey I'm not finding nine people wanting me all at once for a job. The market is going through a rotation, but not severe one. The unemployment rate in the country is still near record lows, but the dynamic, the psychology of the job market has changed. I think about the craziness that up to about 18 months ago, technology companies were hiring people just to know they had them and paying them to be on extended vacations until and unless they figured out what to do with them. That's over. I wanted to go over with you where the job market is strongest. And this is Census Bureau data. And I saw a really nice distilled version of it in a Washington Post story that's easier even to follow than what the Census Bureau put out. The number one area of growth and jobs in the United States is not at all where I would have thought it would be. It's with nonprofit organizations that are either out and out charities or nonprofits. The jobs increase in that area is 33% over, and these are not one year data cycles, these are 15 year data cycles. So you don't have to deal with a weird one year up or down, far and away, the largest growth in jobs in nonprofits. Second largest growth of jobs, people working for themselves. The opportunity that's available in the marketplace where you take the skills, the knowledge, the experience you have and put it to work knowing an industry and knowing where the weak links are, where the opportunities are, and going to serve that. And that is the lifeblood of our system, our economic system in the United States, are people who have the guts to take what they know and go out there and start a business. Next highest growth area, employment by government, federal, state, and local. So, I would prefer that it was even more entrepreneurial, but it is actually the government levels, government levels at all, all types of government, all levels. That's where there's a lot of vacancies right now, a lot of opportunity. A lot of times these jobs pay below what the private sector pays. But if you're out there looking for an opportunity, it may be where you find it. So think about this. None of these things I talked about, big employers. Big employers grow at the slowest rate of all job categories because big employers get so big, they become like dinosaurs. The people are serving other people within the corporation instead of serving the customer. And that's the classic conundrum as companies grow, they become dumber and less efficient. So the growth in the free market 
is entrepreneurial. That's where the growth has always been, and that's where it continues to be. More risk, more opportunity. But overall, if you're not that kind of person, you're looking for a job, remember, nonprofits and government are where the greatest opportunities are right now. Okay, this question has come in several times. Even if you've talked about this, I want you to address this again. Chris in Arizona says, I got an email about the new Vanguard Cash Plus account that offers a 4.5% APY. I currently have a Vanguard account for my Roth and Target Retirement 2055 fund. I'm a 24-year-old who currently works full-time, but I'm looking to find a new job this summer, and I anticipate moving, so I want my money to be fairly liquid. As a result, I've stayed away from CDs, but I don't see any downside to this Vanguard Cash Plus option. What are your thoughts on this new option from Vanguard, and do you have any suggestions for me as I move toward this transition in employment and location? So Vanguard's, uh, the Cash Plus thing is really a marketing term. Vanguard and Fidelity have always done a phenomenal job at earning you the best returns in the marketplace on idle cash. And so Vanguard's Cash Plus is a catch-all phrase for the various ways you can have your cash working on a daily basis in different kinds of funds that will earn you the highest return potentially in the market or nearly highest return in the market. And Vanguard and Fidelity, they're the Hatfields and McCoys, but they both are really, really good at cash management. And using Vanguard's Cash Plus program is absolutely wonderful for your idle cash. Mike in North Carolina says, I recently did the unthinkable and stopped at a red light. What? I know, right? (laughs) Now, I thought in North Carolina it was illegal to stop till two seconds after lights turn from yellow to red. Yeah, well, I think the driver behind Mike also thought that because he says the driver behind me kept going into the back corner of my SUV. Dealing with this required me to contact the other driver's insurance company and send pictures of my vehicle. I got a quote of $1,100 to fix it. The body shop estimate was $6,900. The body shop says that's a common ploy by the insurance company. I guess they can save a lot of money by having the driver take money and spend it elsewhere and never even get the car properly repaired. I'd never heard of this, and I thought I would pass it on to you. Yeah, so this is the game, Mike. You're completely right. So what insurers used to do, and this can vary by state because insurance is regulated by the states, is they would write a check to you and the designated body shop because they wanted to make sure that you didn't just take the money, not fix the car, not deal with the dent in the back corner, and just pocket the money. Well, now the insurers are like, wait a minute, wait a minute. There's a real opportunity for us. We're going to pay people 20 or 30 cents on the dollar for their body damage. They're just going to put it in their pocket, and we're going to save a fortune. Well, I had a situation recently where someone, I shared this on the podcast, Someone hit our parked car, was an honest person, did not flee the scene, didn't do a hit and run. And her insurer sent me a check that was ridiculous like this one. And I said, I'm not going to cash this because the body shop says it's going to be so much more money. And they said, well, don't you see that legal notice with it? This is not your acceptance of this as final payment. We'll negotiate with the body shop. So sure enough, the body shop ends up 
getting, uh, I guess, pretty much what they said it was going to cost to fix from the insurer. So I signed over that check to them, and they got the rest from the insurance company, and everything was hunky-dory. But this is, in fact, dirty pool played by so many auto insurers now is they will take advantage of someone who they think will just say, ah, it's not that bad, I'm not going to fix it, and pay you pennies on the dollar. Jared in Florida says, my wife and I are currently maxing out our Roth 401ks, and it's all we can do financially, but we're curious if it might make more sense to put a portion towards our $500,000 mortgage that is at 6.35%. It just seems unlikely we will match that in the market, and it would give us a feeling of safety to have a paid-for home. So you're both maxing out Roth 401ks, which is different than a Roth IRA. You're not doing $6,500 a year. You're doing over $20,000 a year each into a Roth 401k, which is fantastic. If you wanted to dial it back, let's say, and do $5,000 less each a year in the Roth 401k and put that $10,000 additional towards the mortgage each year, you'd still be saving a great amount of money towards retirement, and you'd be getting a guaranteed 6.35% return on your money, taking down that $500,000 mortgage month by month by a decent amount of additional prepayment of principal. Now, the other aspect of this is that you're not going to be at 6.35% forever. As the Federal Reserve is ultimately successful, which they will be after a lot of trial and error, in getting inflation down, interest rates will also come down. And the opportunity will come down the road where you'll be able to refinance this mortgage. If you keep doing the prepayment of principal by diverting some of the money you're putting into the Roth 401k, maybe you'll get the balance down enough that when the right opportunity strikes to refi, you go into a 15-year refi instead of a 30-year refi. And that will help in your mission of trying to get this paid off. And the interest rates on 15-year loans usually are about a half point lower, more or less, somewhere in that band, than the 30-year loan. So it would really be all part of the same picture of you getting that mortgage more quickly out of your life, or at least ultimately at a much lower rate that you would have out of your life in 15 years. But congratulations to both of you on the enormous amount of money you're throwing into your Roth 401ks right now. Good for you. Uh, Coming up ahead, the opposite land. Americans are defaulting are going delinquent on debt at a rapidly increasing rate right now. We need to talk about what you can do about it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a cycle we go through, and right now, 
after years of people paying down debts, the level of debts we're carrying overall have gone up and up and up, exclusive of mortgage debt. Americans are carrying a lot more debt, Uh, credit cards, vehicle loans, personal loans, student loans, and of course, mortgage debt is up so much because home prices escalated so much through the COVID era and beyond. Well, the delinquency, it's like the if-then. The delinquency rate on loans, more than 90 days overdue is where lenders really have a red flag, is up 50% in a year. I mean, that's a huge increase in delinquencies. Credit card debt, wow. We're, we're getting close to 5% of credit card debt being delinquent more than 90 days. That's really bad ugly. And the auto loan area, the delinquencies keep going up and up and up. And this is a clear if then. The longer loans people are taking out are a predictor of delinquencies or defaults or repos on vehicles. And if you're a longtime listener to the podcast, you know my obsession with avoiding long-term vehicle loans. And I know people get really frustrated with me that I have this rule I've had that makes me sound like I'm from the Stone Age. But when Fred and Wilma got their vehicle back in the Flintstones, they took out a 42-month loan. Not really, can't say that. Anyway, the 42-month loan works through thick and thin, through different eras. It is the maximum length your vehicle loan should be. You got to have a crazy extenuating circumstance that it would make sense to go past 42 months on a vehicle loan. Because the delinquencies, anytime things get even the bit unusual in our lives, the bit rough in our lives, the unexpected happens in our lives, we're trapped by that debt on that vehicle loan. So this is really an early warning system I want to give you that there are clear signals that we're taking on too much debt of too many types. And I want you to think about it Before you say, hey, I want to buy that, I want to do that, be very wary and careful. If you are an iPhone user, Apple is pushing really hard, buy now, pay later. It's not any better an idea on an iPhone than it was at any retailer, physical retailer, or online shopping. Buy now, pay later is a disaster for your finances. The loans on those going delinquent is shocking. So just because Apple makes it so easy for you on the iPhone to do buy now, pay later, avoid the temptation because it is an ugly scenario for you with buy now, pay later, no matter where or how you do it. Krista? 
Okay, this question's from Mark in California. He says, thank you for your podcast. My sister told me about it, and I'm now an avid listener. Thank you for joining us. I have about $15,000 in credit card debt, and I keep seeing posts about a debt relief company. I gave you the website there. And other like services out there. I'm wondering, is this a type of consolidation a good thing, or is it going to impact my credit like a bankruptcy would? So first of all, these organizations that have come back out from under whatever rock they crawled under. These people are bad news. What these companies do is they use a strategy where they tell you to stop paying your bills and go delinquent on all of them and ruin your credit so that they can then negotiate a payout of the debt, in your case, the $15,000 debt, for pennies on the dollar. And all you got to do is pay them thousands up front for them to tell you that you default on your debt and then they'll negotiate a lower payout for you. I mean, it's, uh, and then seven years, your credit is ruined. So don't do any of that. If you need help coming up with a plan that will get you through this debt and pay it back, There are legitimate organizations out there, and generally they're under the umbrella of the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, nfcc.org. And you go uh, either in person or a virtual Zoom-type thing. You meet with a counselor. You go over. They'll have you fill out page after page of paperwork so that there's a clear picture of your must-pays, your maybe-have-to-pays, and your discretionary spending, you're, yeah, I just wanted to go out and do that kind of thing. And then they see if there's a clear way with this $15,000 worth of debt for you, Mark, to get it under control and get in a cycle of paying that debt off. It can be just as simple as helping you with designing a budget. It'll be a rigid budget, but a budget that'll get you to zero from 15000 Or if you just don't have the income for it, they'll negotiate with your creditors. It will essentially freeze your ability to get any credit till you've paid off that 15000 or whatever portion you have to pay off, but it will not have the harm to you that you would have from going to one of these termites, locusts, rats, whatever, whatever pest that you fear the most, the roach, whatever it is, Snake in the grass. Perfect. Just in your head that any of these people who say they're going to wave that magic wand, what they're going to wave that magic wand to is taking money you could be putting towards your debts, and instead you're paying them to them, and their promises are kind of like empty calories. It's kind of like eating Cap'n Crunch. It may taste good for a second, but it's not the greatest for you. And so I want you to think about that and think about doing the hard work that will get you the power where you get these debts under control and it can change the entire trajectory of how you handle money the rest of your life. And Mark, we do have a community on Clark.com where people help each other out. And on if you're on Facebook, under our, the Clark Howard Facebook page, there's a group called Ditch Your Debt as well. So try to get some support and let us know how you're doing. Um, Janet in Georgia says, I'm looking to buy a grow-up plan for my kids aged five to seven. 
I am concerned with what happens to the money if I opt out of the policy once I begin and find for whatever reason that I cannot continue to pay the premium. Which is the best company to go with? None of the above. Janet, this is something that's driven me to distraction forever, is these companies that pitch ultra overpriced life insurance for minor children, particularly newborns or very young children. This stuff has no role in your life or your kid's life. Kids are the most wonderful thing for those of us who have them, but they cost money. They don't make money. The principal purpose of life insurance is to provide replacement of income to those in the event of your untimely demise. So where, Janet, you need life insurance to provide for your kids or spouse or whoever in the event of your passing, your kids are the ones who need the benefit of the life insurance. They don't need life insurance for themselves. There are certain parts of the country that people buy life insurance on young children known in the lingo of the trade as burial insurance. That parents are terrified that something tragic will happen and they'll lose their child at a very young age and then they won't have the resources to bury that child. And that has led to the sale of this outrageously worthless, expensive life insurance. And they pitch it as like, it'll be an investment for the child Yeah, later. investment, garbage. So don't worry about that. Just make sure you have insurance on your life. And I like for you to look at level term insurance. You don't know what that is. I have a really thorough explanation at Clark.com. Eric in Florida says, thanks for all that you and your team do. I love the podcast. I understand that you recommend linking Cash App or Venmo to a bank account with a limited balance to prevent loss of significant amounts of money due to fraud. Is it okay if that bank account is linked to the payment apps and it's also linked to the main checking account at a different institution that I use to pay my bills? Yes, as long as there's no automatic funding mechanism that if the balance on this second account reaches below a certain threshold, it automatically grabs money from that other institution to replenish the account. As long as you don't have that in place, there's no problem at all with having both accounts linked so that you can easily move money back and forth. Usually it takes two days to move that money. Uh, This is a side note. But we're getting closer and closer to joining the world standard where you will be able to move your money from one financial institution to another for free in just minutes. We trail every other developed country and many middle-income countries, what we used to call third-world countries. We trail many of those and how the nuts and bolts of our banking system works. And we're getting closer and closer to adopting the world standard. A side note, the reason we haven't adopted the world standard is the big banks have lobbied against it because they want to continue to be able to charge high fees when people need access to their money quicker. And we're getting really close to overcoming that brutal economic power of the big banks and going to the world standard for quick moving of money. I want to thank you so much for being with us today. We serve you with our newsletters. I hear from so many people how much 
they enjoy our free newsletters that you can see what we have available to you at clark.com newsletters and know that what we're about is giving you ways to save more spend less and avoid getting ripped off